The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by Lucky Bastard Distillers, Saskatchewan's premier distillery, and by the Pile of Bowens Brewing Company, brewed in the heart of Regina. And one. Ooh, welcome! To the Three Down Greencast, you are listening to the internet's only field turf podcast. <laughs> I am Joel Gasson with John Fraser, as usual. Uh, welcome to our first episode of 2024. Yeah, all right. A um, few little things to get to, nothing too outrageous or out there just yet. Uh, free agency, we are under a month away from that, so that's kind of what everyone's counting down to now, and uh, we're kind of past the point where I think... You're going to see a ton of signings or pretty much the point where if you haven't signed by now, odds are guys are probably going to want to at least test the sort of tampering mm-hmm. window a little bit just to see what's out there. Um, but we do have a few things to talk about. Um, the Riders finally announced the rest of their coaching staff, and uh, we have some thoughts on it. Yes. Generally yes, positive, we do. I would say. Um, positive. Yeah. Uh, also, Trevor Harris renegotiating his contract a little bit, uh, sort of a win-win for both teams. We'll get into that, and that'll tie into a little bit of a – Free agency discussion as some uh, a little bit of things, few things going on there, and some uh, discussions about where some money should be spent this off season. And lastly, uh, CFL leaking that at their upcoming uh, rules meetings that they may be looking at changing the kickoff. So uh, as always, the enthralling discussion involved in the CFL when it comes to changing what some consider a pillar of the game, because fans always react very reasonably to such conversations and oh, ideas. Oh, totally. On a play that is a nothing play 95% of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into all that, though, um, we'd be remiss if we did not talk about one of our favorite subjects here on the Greencast. <laughs> Excel spreadsheets! I mean, they may have used a spreadsheet at one point or another when determining something with this. But uh, In Winnipeg, the Bombers announced on Wednesday that uh, they are going to be completely re- we're gonna be replacing their turf. And it's this new fancy high-tech turf that's supposed to be cooler in the summer and good for FIFA and the, the whole shebang. Um, good. Good for them, which is great. Uh, the most important piece of information that I learned through our uh, esteemed leader, one of our esteemed leaders, John Hodge, was that, if you can believe it, this, stitch is not, this turf is not going to be stitched. <laughs> you mean like every other turf everywhere except for Regina and that wonderfully thought-out decision? Yeah. Well, I mean, McMahon isn't either, but that stadium's 2,000 years old, so you can <laughs> you can understand the, the turf, that. <laughs> the turf may have been, like, the prototype for the original Astrodome, how old that turf is. Mm-hmm. And, they they uh, basically took the old, like, yeah, the little green AstroTurf and just kind of cut it up to make it look like grass. Yeah, that's that's probably what McMahon's turf is. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? I As a guy that's actually gotten to uh, walk around on that turf and talk to guys, that's where the Hilltops play, right? Mm-hmm. That turf was... That McMahon turf was, was dog water and outdated back when I was doing Hilltops play-by-play, which is now like seven years ago. So... Well, I mean, it was Derek Dennis, I believe, who at the start of the season was talking about how lots of guys get hurt in Calgary, and I think it's because of that turf. Oh, certainly. Again, so... it's original. It, it might Okay, might not have come from the Astrodome. No. 100% probably came from the Sky Dome. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty old there, and Regina's is new, of course, but... Uh... The decision was still made to stitch in all the logos and the lines and the whole thing. And anytime there's an event that isn't a regular Saskatchewan Rough Riders football game, so that includes any playoff games hosted because they are technically league events, and of course the Grey Cup, um, and anything else that may require the playing surface not being covered, it generally looks like crap. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why you wonder. Which is people, you know, as we open up uh, some mines here, that is why it looks like dog water when it is uh, that time of the year because the reel went with a great decision to keep it stitched on, which of course makes it tricky for hosting other things, including when they tried to host uh, an an NFL game, uh, when you try to host anything soccer related, because mm. God forbid there's lines on a soccer field that aren't soccer lines. Yeah, and not only are they stitched in, but the end zone logos and the big mosaic logo at midfield are not are also full of lots of colors that are hard to cover up. <laughs> so, uh, but maybe there may be hope on the horizon. Of course, uh, one of the big news in the city of Regina, if you're not around here, uh, Tim Reed, the guy who was in charge of the whole thing, finally got canned after years of mismanagement, both financially and structurally, within just about everything to do with real. Um, he was, of course, fired without cause because it was ultimately probably cheaper to do that than have to fight him in court for a while for some kind of settlement. So. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> certainly. And 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 the funny there were definitely thing is, plenty of cause to fire him for. <laughs> I, I, see, and I never knew um, that the cooperator center was in such bad. Like I had yeah. never been. It's not in that, that old, even really. No, nothing down there is that old. But I, I mean, I didn't, the brand center, but yeah, I didn't realize <clears throat> that. There's actually like what look like glorified garbage bags hanging from the ceiling of a hockey rink to collect mm-hmm. water, and uh, that's that's all from the guy in charge. So that I'm going to be interested to see how that affects everything riders-wise. I think the riders basically have their own thing, but they still they you know, have parts just... of their own thing. But most of the stadium, yeah, is still controlled by real. Right, so. and and the only thing I hope doesn't go away with with what I think uh, from again what I've read and what I've heard, and mostly from the noted news source of just Bin's waste disposal, uh, because that's where I saw the news to send it to you. Because mm-hmm. every newsroom and every I get it, news is illegal to put on Facebook and ish like that. But I spent so much time on Twitter, I should have seen it someplace, and not from just Bin's waste disposal. So. Um, good, good on you, Just Bins, uh, releasing that news, and maybe things will change. But I hope uh, the craft beer at Rider Games does not change. I hope that's a Rider thing because uh, there's nothing better than not having to drink industrial beer while you're at a game. Yeah, I believe that may be in agreement with the team, but I'm not 100% certain. Regardless, I do know that at the Brant Center, they generally they have Rebellion products there. No, they have Rebellion Amber at least at all the Pats games. So, uh, yes. so if that if for some reason the agreement changes or whatever, there is like a local provider, and um, I assume that will remain because I think that's a separate thing from sort of what supplies the rest of the grounds. Because I think even what's available at the Brand Center is different than what's available at Mosaic Stadium, certainly in general. But, so, but I'm I'm excited as a Saskatchewan sports fan is. Uh... You know, it, that organization being gone, maybe you can mm-hmm. see some cool new events. I honestly think that, you know, that new Mosaic has been a little bit underutilized. For sure it has been. Like, like you haven't had your open-air concerts there that you've got some big bands coming through. Like, you haven't really had that since the test events. You had the Winter Classic there, which, by the way, was a great event. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the, the... I mean, the even fact- even the the big outdoor skating rink they put there a couple of years is great. Yeah, no, I that heard was that was rough on the event. turf, but there's got to be a way around that. So yeah, but but you yeah, but you'd think you'd think it would be used so much more, or at least you you know you'd go to an event and not have to wait an hour and a half in line after getting there uh, an hour and a half early uh, to get into the Winter Classic. So I, I imagine this is good things ahead mm-hmm. for uh, the people of Regina, the people of Saskatchewan, and hopefully some uh, some more events coming because. Uh, Especially in the dead of winter when your mind is escaping. Unlike you, I'm not going on a hot holiday this year. Yeah. I went to Edmonton. You know, that's 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 how you spend a winter. You go to Edmonton. 
Um, <laughs> so I'm hoping it leads to more events, more cool stuff. Like, like you said, the giant skating rink, like to me, the fact they didn't do that this year was just a fail. Like it, it's been such a nice winter minus the last week of hell that yeah. the outdoor skating rink would have been perfect that this year. It would have been, but, uh, yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, at the end of the day, I suppose it can't get worse. So it, uh, it should get better. No, hopes because I mean, the prevailing thought that they tried to, you know, Put in front of city council, and this is getting a little inside baseball a little bit. If you're not really, there's a few Twitter accounts I follow that follow city politics quite closely, so I see some of this stuff. And yep. it was like they were trying to argue that you know the sort of everyday sporting events that they hold at the cooperator center, like when your kids go play hockey or soccer or whatever, yep. isn't really driving revenue, but like reports and studies have suggested otherwise. So like they well, real was claiming they needed big events to make money when that was pretty much false all along when they could have. They could have made okay money, at least, just sort of on the everyday stuff that's there every single weekend. Well, the big events are the cherry on top. Those are the ones. Yeah. It's the same as hosting a Grey Cup. You have the yeah, big events like to the really Briar's push. The there this year, so that's great. But Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> so you're telling me you're going to lose money with a Briar, and you've got all the food sales and the booze sales. Like, you know, you go to, you go to a, minor, a minor hockey tournament. You go to any kind of game. You go to anything really down there. And uh, or, or really at any place. And naturally, you're going to get a rink burger like no. Who doesn't go to a game and not get a rink burger? Or if it's been one of those days, maybe a couple of pops. Or if you're like us, when you're curling in a bond spill, you just basically keep all the city of Saskatoon facilities afloat with the epic amounts of alcohol we drink. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's this is. Yeah, I mean, we, we just we didn't really know the way to get into this conversation because it's kind of rider related, but not super. So this was uh this was kind of the way in, I guess. <laughs> exactly. A little inside baseball for you right off the top. Don't worry. It'll get dumb here in a hurry. Uh, so, yeah, a few things to talk about, as always. Uh, the Riders coaching staff, Trevor Harrison, looking to head to free agency. But, as always, before that, John, for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, what is in the glass this week? Um, I made myself. I had. Uh, I actually went and bought some uh, I, <laughs> bought some Blackbridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, intending to drink it here uh, during the podcast, mm-hmm. but I made a spicy spaghetti sauce ah. that was so ridiculously good. <laughs> I literally, when I was cleaning up the pots, I was using bread yep. to like clean up the pots. Like, oh my god, the sauce was so good. So I was eating bread. So I'm basically full and bloated. So I went with another glass of of Lucky Bastard vodka. Uh, of course, our other great sponsor, and uh, can't can't go wrong with that. So uh, the usual little Lucky Bastard, little vodka, little lemon, because. Holy crap, Joel, I nailed this sauce. Yeah, and I mean, if you had a lot of bread, that means you're full, and we know when you drink and you're full what starts to happen. So The sneezes start to happen. And when, it? I mean, it's, as even though podcasting is a visual medium, we can't really deal with you sneezing because I don't want to sit here for five for like <laughs> ten minutes editing all your goddamn sneezes. Like the one time that that did happen. <laughs> I forget what episode it was that you did have to actually. And again, the goal of our podcast is as little editing as possible. Yes. It's for you. The, you basically hit submit. Next thing you know, it's on the internet, mm-hmm. and boom, it's into your ear holes. Yes, the only time I really am like, okay, I need to actually edit this is like when one of our internet connections kind of drops out mid-conversation. And then I got to splice two files together, and that's about it. Oh, no, <laughs> that's terrible. Except now that we've got it all figured out that I've got my dedicated basement Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, there used to be uh, three Wi-Fi networks next door. Now there's only two. So I don't mm-hmm. know if somebody moved out or got evicted or... What happened, but uh, the internet strength seems to be much better. Yeah, and I have a, a hard line in the room that I'm in, so that, that always helps. That's true. Uh, for me, it's been a long time coming since we've uh, been able to talk about this one. I picked up the Nokomis Mixer Pack last week. Yes! Because it's back. 
Yes. And uh, the only beer in there that is not available in any other format is the Nokomis Golden Ale. So. Uh, oh, interesting. So the Golden Ales, you can't go out and grab it anymore? No, it's not. It's, it hasn't been, like, since they made the Long Lake Lager. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They stopped yeah. making the Golden Ale. So I always assumed, because I was told by people there for a while, that the Mixer Packs will be back eventually. Don't worry about it. I was like, okay, cool. And I always just assumed that Long Lake Lager was going to make its way in there instead of Golden Ale. Well, it turns out, apparently, Jeff decided to brew Golden Ale and put it just in the mix pack. Oh, pulled a sneaky on ya. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not mad about it. It's a delicious, one of the most delicious beer that tastes like beer. So Yes, yes. And so is the Long Lake Lagers. I've had that in a couple spots. So Yeah, uh, Long Lake Lager is a little crisper, a little drier, a little hoppier. But the Golden Ale is just that smooth that hits just right. Especially the- on a cold winter day, but not as cold as it's been, at least. No, no, I never thought for once in my life, I went outside to get groceries today to make said absolute banger of a sauce. Mm. Um, went out to get groceries today, and I never once thought in my life that minus 15 would feel tropical. Oh, it does that. It's all relative. I was talking about this at work today because someone's like, yeah, it's weird. I never thought minus 20 would be warm. I'm like, oh, it's all relative. I mean, right. Minus 20 three weeks ago would have been freezing, but after a week of minus 35, it's like, yeah, it's pretty warm now, actually. Well, and it escalated <laughs> so quickly. Like, we literally went from, like, minus 2, minus 3 to minus 74. Yeah. And you guys got a lot more snow than we did, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, most of that happened while I was in Edmonton, so uh, I didn't really have to shovel. No, it, it, it there was one night of shoveling. I still haven't done the backyard. So it's actually kind of funny just watching Barkley bound through the snow. Mm-hmm. But he yeah, likes I, it. With how cold it's been, I hadn't done, like, the path down the side of the house to Jenny's photo studio, and I hadn't done, like, the deck for Mo yet. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to wait till it warms up a little bit before I do those things. Yeah, that's right. They're not as important. Mo can still get out there. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, I just I just don't do it because Barkley has so much fun just, like, bounding yeah. through oh, the, the snow. Oh, the rest of the yard is fine. Like, I leave it, but... Yeah. If the deck is clear, he doesn't drag quite so much snow into the house. So. Fair enough. No, that's 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 fair. And it's been so cold that Barkley hasn't dragged any snow to the house because it's just kind of like hmm, crystallized or some sciencey bullshit. I don't know how it works. Uh, we don't know if the writers use science to uh, name their new coaching staff. But uh, they have it. I mean, we knew most of it already. Like, the key spots were kind of announced a while ago. We knew Corey Mace was going to be the defensive coordinator. We knew Mark Mueller was going to be the offensive coordinator. And they had a few other names in place, but we have a full picture now. And the what entire... a change from last mm-hmm. year where it was like, please come work for us. And now it just the entire vibe mm-hmm. seems to be like up and coming, really smart, really talented coaches who, despite their youth, have succeeded at several levels. Yeah. And of course, I think the name for everyone that kind of jumps off the page is going to be Josh Bell because he yeah. was... By many accounts, a lot of people in Toronto were hoping that Josh Bell would stay to be their defensive coordinator after Corey Mace went, of course, to Saskatchewan to become the head coach. Right. Um, but instead, he's decided to follow um, Mace to Saskatchewan as because, and this, you know, it's kind of bring this into perspective into how this works. Most coaches, most of the coaching staff, except maybe after your coordinator. So, like, your head coach generally gets a two- or three-year deals. Your coordinators can be anywhere from one to two years, generally yep. speaking. Most of the guys after that are all on one-year deals. Yes. So there was no, like, tampering or anything no. needed here to get the likes of Josh Bell to join this coaching staff because they were likely already free agents. We don't know for sure because not all this information is out there, but in all likelihood they were. But but it is, it is fair, and I really like the move, the Josh Bell move, because – 
Mace being the DC in Toronto, basically Bell was as a top assistant as he will be here in Saskatchewan. So you always have that thought of, you know, you just got guys that you work really well together with, right? Yeah. The, so the last thing you want to do is like Mace go out and have to run this defense that he wants to run. That's been so good for so long with somebody new. I'm not mm -hmm. suggesting that he couldn't do it, but it's like, it's nice. But, I mean, he, that. At, the, at the same time, he's, he's never been a head coach and a defensive coordinator at this level. It, it, exactly. So and now it's he, good to have sort of that fallback and being like, if he realizes, okay, I need to step back a little bit on some of these DC duties. I know I have some guys that can do it. Well, and and there and that's exactly it. If if the overwhelmingness become, you know, if it becomes too overwhelming, he's able to go, okay, Josh, you know, same as we did in Toronto. I'm going to need you to do this, this, and this. Obviously, he trusts him. Like that's even a guy that you know you could have, you could see, you know, taking over the defensive play calling if the head coaching and kind of player personnel stuff becomes uh, a bit too much for Mace. But which, I mean, uh, Corey Mace doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to say. I can't do it or, or, or going to say I can do it and then, you know, back off or, or, or force himself to do it. Like hmm. he seems very much like the kind of coach, the kind of person that's going to go, my plate's full here, have some of my side dishes here, Josh Bell. And it's great having that guy that he trusts already, already on that staff. Yeah. And what I like too, about the coaching staff is there's sort of a variety of backgrounds here. Yeah. Like Edwin Harrison, of course, comes over from, he spent the last two years with Toronto, but like Mark Hama Daniel was coaching with McMaster. Um, he, he, yeah, he had some time with the Stamps, Owls, and McMaster. And yeah. and again, there's we all know the name Mark Way McDaniel from yeah. you know 130 ish career games. And yes, I'm not pulling that off the top of my head. I have it in front of me. I did research for the podcast for the third time ever. Mm -hmm. Of course, Anthony Vitell was here last year. Josh Bell comes from Toronto. Uh, Philip Daniels comes from the Eagles and was, you know, different spots around the NFL. Uh, JC Sherrod was with Wazoo last year. Everyone knows what he's all about. Jordan Linman, Linman was with the Edmonton Elks. And then, of course, Jeff Higgins' assistant was also, you know, he's been around at a few different places. So, I mean, this isn't just, oh, I pulled all these guys from Toronto or I pulled all these guys from what's wild. Like, there is, there is thoughts and, you know, people with different experiences in different places working for different head coaches that do things a different way who can all sort of maybe, you know, help bring different perspectives and ideas to this rather than sort of one monolithic sort of Chris Jones style where he just brings his guys everywhere he goes. No. And, and that means you're able to see some different things and everybody's able to work together. And, and again, like you hear these names of recent CFLers like Mark Boy McDaniel and JC Sherritt and you go, Oh yeah, they were, they were just in the league. Right. So I think that those guys basically, going to coaching straight after their playing careers, getting some experience, getting some different some different experience, then coming to this coaching staff mm -hmm. is great while well, having that inside intimate knowledge of the CFL game. I really you and I have talked that we that we wanted to see a younger, more up and coming staff to go along with Corey Mason. I yeah. think, you know, you got a couple guys that, you know, may not be younger, like Daniels is fifty, but these guys still have tons of experience and it's yeah. not like you're grabbing guys off the street. And again, it's not last year where it was last guy standing got the job because nobody else applied. Yeah. And I, I think lots of people have discussed this and it's been a completely ch different change in tone with Corey Mace here. Like it's, it is now a desired destination for where people are going to want to work at least, at least for the time being, I mean, a year that could change. I mean, who knows yeah. how it's going to play out, but as it currently sits, it's sits, it's a completely, it's a complete 180 from where everything was a year ago. Yeah. And like we've talked about so many times, like the hiring of Corey Mace was, you know, taking a bit of a swing on a younger guy. And it's good to see the rest of the coaching staff minus a few guys 
is more or less that as well. Because, you know, this league needs an infusion of new ideas and new coaching. And I'm hoping that this group, you know, this may, this could be potentially, hopefully, you know, one of those groups we look back in 10 years and say, wow, there were some guys on the staff because they're all scattered throughout the league in high-profile spots. No, certainly. It's almost like that that Washington commander staff that had Mike McDaniels and uh, Sean McVay and all those different guys. So And won three I'm... games. <laughs> right? <laughs> I will never get over that. That like literally three There's like six NFL head coaches on that roster and they won three games that year. Well, I mean it's like and again, <laughs> speaking of speaking of head coaches, the double retirements of, of Nick Saban uh, and Bill Belichick. Well Bill Belichick past- hasn't retired. He's interviewing, so, so sorry, pardon me. His his legacy ending yeah. in, in New England, but the fact that Saban and Belichick were together on the Cleveland Browns so they still couldn't figure it out, like You need players too, I guess, but I like this. It's a step in the right direction. It's young guys. It's, as you said, the varying levels experience. Like you got USFL on there. You got NCAA. Uh, I like seeing defensive guys as offensive coaches. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Like J.C. Sherritt, you know, when they brought him on, I'm like, oh, you see the name, you're like, oh, he's going to be linebackers coach or a lineman coach or something like that and run game coordinator. And you go for a minute, huh? Because they they know what to look for in the other defense, right? That's exactly it. And J.C. Sherritt was so good at stopping the run for so many years that – and this is a guy that's, uh, what is he, 35, 36? Yeah, something. I mean, he retired pretty young, so. Yeah, he did. So this is a guy that's been in the league recently and seen it. And I'm just hoping, though, like, what I want to see – you know, lots of guys are coming up with new ideas on defense, but – Let's all stop running the Mark Trestman playbook on offense. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's ultimately going to be the biggest question. I think we're all we're all fairly confident that the defense, depending on, I mean, there's going to be personnel changes. There are lots of them that are yeah. going to be required. Um, still, the biggest question, I think, will be what does this offense look like? Because we know the system Mark Mueller came up in recently, and we hope he has different ideas than what he was forced to run in Calgary. <laughs> well, and, th- and that, to me, is the biggest question mark on the staff. Yeah, 100%. I like the hiring of Mark Mueller. I do. I like the, the legacy. Solid, for sure. But where he, to me, is the only guy I look at and go, huh. Was it Dickinson saying, this is how I want to run it? Mm-hmm. Was it Mueller going, this is all I can run with the talent that's in front of me? Yeah. If it's either of those, then fine. And he has, right. like, if he has different weapons at his disposal that allows him to do different things with a quarterback like Trevor Harris instead of Jake Mayer. And he adjusts, or it's because, you know, he, you know, when you're an assistant coach, often, especially on offense, you sort of do what your coordinator in this case, in this case, I mean, I know they had a quote unquote offensive coordinator, but it's still very much Craig Dickinson and uh, Craig, Dave Dickinson in charge <laughs> of the offense. Um, you know, which way did this go? Right. That's always the question. Cause you often have to sort of defer to, you know, the guy above you in terms of what you're doing. Right. And, and, and then it comes to, and, and to me, Watching Jake Mayer, um, as they would, as the kids these days would say, he isn't it. Uh-huh. 
Um, so I'm really interested to see what he can do with, you know, a, a, a good starting quarterback in Trevor Harris and some offensive pieces that, you know, are sticking around. Like, I, I think, you know, the Riders have a good base. Um, I think <laughs> until they can win a game and after Labor Day, I think we have to temper all expectations. Course, yeah. Like, like even if this team starts off nine and zero, I'm going to go, okay. <laughs> Wait, is the 18-wheeler going off the cliff? I can't believe how many times I've used that reference from Brian Burke. I like Brian Burke a lot, but I can't believe how many times I've had to bring up the 18-wheeler careening off the cliff. So uh, I mean, until... if that were to happen, the good news is nine wins generally gets you into the playoffs, at least. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you can be like your Steelers and make the playoffs, finish a game over 500 for all these years, yeah. and just get absolutely nuked by a Bills team that woke up. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we mentioned, I mean, Mark Mueller will have a different quarterback at his disposal than he had in Calgary. Yeah. And that was, of course, Trevor Harris. He's coming back from a knee injury last year. Uh, we negotiated his contract, though it's sort of funny math around the whole thing. Um, <laughs> I, the, love, I love this. This is such football math. And this it. is like classic CFL renegotiations. Like this happens to pretty much every quarterback every year. Um, American law states that a signing bonus essentially is taxed lower than any other income. Yes. Uh, so I believe he's taking like a twenty-five-ish thousand-dollar cut in his pay because they're converting a whole bunch of things to a signing bonus. But at the end of the day, Trevor Harris will actually take more money tax after taxes home in the United States than he would had he sort of played out the contract the way it was. While also saving the riders about twenty-five grand on the cap, which is not earth-shattering differences, but hey, a few thousand here or there that you can kind of spread out to different guys could make a difference. At the end of the day, right? So. Well, and and no, and that that that's a team that if you're going to invest so much money into a quarterback, every thousand or two you can get here uh, really helps. What I did find interesting uh, on the breakdown on Three Down Nation is mm -hmm. the fifteen grand in marketing money. Mm -hmm. I wonder, and this is me wondering out loud, just from reading that. If the league has started, because this was the, this was an old advantage that Saskatchewan had, that Saskatchewan would, you know, promise these guys that, OK, you know, we're going to give you five grand to speak of the Kinsman Sports Celebrity Dinner in Saskatoon or PA or anything. That's why you kind of like it was always funny being involved with Kinsman being like, yeah, it's Toronto Blue Jays night, but we're going to open up with a couple riders saying a couple words. And that was part of the team going, hey, like, we're going to donate club money, but let our guy speak because we need to do this for cap reasons. So I wonder if that isn't something that is being clamped down on. I and do. I do think it is tracked a little more officially now. Yes. than It was before. So, well, it's like, again, listen to a Winnipeg Blue Bombers podcast <laughs> with a broadcast with our boy DT. And I swear to God, Adam Big Hill has more endorsements than Michael Jordan in his prime. Well, now, yeah. again, and I mean, they're... private money going towards him is completely different than anything else. Right. So. Right, unless the club is tapping you on the shoulder. Like it seems like a bit of a workaround, but it's just it's yeah. it's hilarious to me to listen to a bombers broadcast in here. And maybe that's what we're gonna hear with Trevor Trevor Harris. I mean, if you know there's anybody left in radio stations here in Saskatchewan, uh, you might hear, Hey, I'm Trevor Harris for the ice cream king and no, ice cream queen and noodle king on Third Avenue in Saskatoon. Hey, I'm Trevor Harris for Auto Salon car detail in Saskatoon, right? Like, by the way, shout out to the guys at Auto Salon. Great people over there. Um, there was just a business that came to my head off the top of my head. I'm wasn't. surprised you didn't mention your own business because, I mean, you haven't even no, mentioned them once. And it's been, it's been half an hour and you haven't even said them yet. That's because it's my gig. I just recorded new new uh, radio ads for Enz Toyota 
and they pay me in whiskey. So Trevor Harris, you stay away from my whiskey money. <laughs> I guess it's not really whiskey money. It's just, oh wait, no. If my accountants, if my accountants listening, it is whiskey money. They pay me in money. Mm. And, and if I the CRA is listening, it's in money. Yes, <laughs> that is declared. <clears throat> I, I mean, it's more like I sign the forms that make it, you know, my buddy Mike's problem if they come after me. So I feel like I should let Mike know that the, not the CRA. Mm. Either way, uh, I'm getting audited this year. <laughs> yeah, no question about it now. Um, but I mean, yeah. So if it frees up a little bit of room, and so the question becomes, you know, where do the riders go in free agency? And I know there's sort of a couple thoughts looming around Riderville right now because we're still enough away that we don't exactly know what the free agent list is going to look like and who's going to be available. Um, but I mean, obviously, and I don't know if there's necessarily sort of one pressing need the riders need to address. I think it's another one of those sort of little bits of everything scenario yeah. because there's going to be a lot of overturning of the roster based on the last couple of years and the performance, but also a new head coach with new ideas and you, and that doesn't necessarily mean that the players that they let in go are necessarily bad, but when you change the system and you change your approach, you need guys who can fit that system and that approach as well, and maybe necess- don't necessarily fit into, you know, the current players maybe don't always necessarily fit into that. So that's right. so that's sort of what's going to happen here, and I know there's sort of the question, of, well, why aren't they re-signing other guys? Should that be a concern? I don't think so, for no. both reasons, for the reasons of, they haven't won a game after Labor Day in two years. Yes. They suck, so clearly something has to change there. And two, you have a new coach with a new system who's going to want to bring in guys to fit that system. No, certainly. And and that's the whole CFL. There's so much, like, if you are to pay attention to every single move and not just the big ones, like, there's tons of guys that moved, you know, everywhere. Just doing a quick scroll, I'm on the, I'm on the CFL free agent tracker. And it's amazing Winnipeg, they have it. I know, I'm actually kind of impressed for once with the league's website um they uh (laughs) outside of winnipeg who's out extending everybody like they just continue to do and running it back nobody else has really locked up a bunch of their own guys so you're gonna have pieces that can you know move around i do like them re-signing alfred um i I mean the returner is that one kind of guy that can kind of plug into anything you do so oh, certainly just yeah. freakishly athletic and getting him in there the other one i would like again i'm with you but i think the other one that i would really like them resign is brett lowther yeah right like if, if you're a new team you're gonna need some stability at that position yeah you know you're trying to figure things out having a kicker that you can trust is a big part of that but outside mm-hmm. of that yeah um, i mean i i think depending on what he's asking for what's out there for him i would consider jake Dolagala as well mm-hmm. just because i think he's a good fit behind trevor harris in terms of systematically what they're doing well, what i, I well because at least you're building an offense around two similar-ish more similar quarterbacks than say mcleod bethel thompson and trey ford no yeah yeah like Come on, somebody free Trey Ford. Like, un- unless you find some way to bring Trey Ford other uh, over, um, yeah, I would agree with that. Bringing uh, keep Jake Dalagal is pretty. Unless big. they are actually going to take a run at Drew Brown, because I guess in his availability at the winter meetings, Jeremy O'Day had a bit of a smirk on his face and said that would be nice when asked about Drew Brown. Now that's fascinating. That to, I could that, be reading too much into that, but <laughs> but that to me though, because Drew Brown has come out and said it's not about the money, yeah, because Winnipeg's been like, if you want to stick around, we'll pay you, but it's about him wanting to start. Now, 
the but current... I mean, he could. I mean, Trevor Harris knows the situation well, right? Like a number of years ago, he was a free agent at Toronto, and he was supposed to be the next guy, right? And what yeah. did he do? He signed in Ottawa behind Henry Burris for a year before Burris retired. Yeah, yeah. So, which is, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Well, yeah, I would, I would put. If there's any money team on... that he's not like, in all likelihood, he probably goes to Ottawa because that's the best spot to actually try and start. I wish him well if that happens, but if there's any other spot in the league where he may consider sitting behind a guy for a year, it might be a guy like Trevor Harris. Well, and a guy coming off of having his knee exploded. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like Trevor Harris has been, you know, so durable dur- throughout his entire career. Who knows if there's not going to be, you know, lingering effects after that. We saw Jeremiah Mazzoli, and actually I remember getting into an argument with um, – uh, the uh, the guy who claims to be the voice of the riders but isn't named Rob Vanstone, um, about the fact that there's actually scientific studies that say when you blow up your one knee, you have a higher chance of blowing up your other knee mm-hmm. um, in play. So that might be the place that, you know, he can go and he can earn some, some good coin and probably see some mop-up duty or a spot start here and there. But, yeah, I think... And, I mean, and if you're the riders, and, I mean, Jake Delvagal is also a solid option with this, this is football in 2024. You need two quarterbacks to get through a year. Yes. No, you're absolutely bang on on that. And to me, Drew Brown, from watching him, is further ahead than Jake Dalla Yes. No question. Like, I, I think like Jake... I'm, I'm not saying if you, you know, all things considered, if you have the choice of either you take Dalla but he's also a solid option should that be what comes to fruition. Which is interesting that now that we're super reading into a smirk from Jeremy O'Day, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> no, but, but it's interesting that they wouldn't have locked him up. Yeah. Because he showed enough to definitely be the undisputed but number I mean, two free guy agency here. goes both ways, right? Maybe he's looking. He wants to see what else is out there, too. Maybe not necessarily wanting to sit behind Trevor Harris for another year. Well, no, certainly. Like, I mean, you've got a spot, even though they've given a bunch of guaranteed money to Jake Mayer. I mean, again, he's not what he looked like he would be. So, no, but, but, I mean, Ryan Ballantyne has had a lot of people in Calgary are higher on their number three guy. I forget his name right now. But potentially him. I mean, Ottawa is going to have an option. Um you know, Toronto might want to look for a guy behind Chad Kelly. I mean, BC is going to want another guy behind VA this year. Oh, because right. Dan yeah, Evans Dan retired. Evans retired. Yeah. Right. So. Because you're, you're right. It's, 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 did any team, I mean, outside of, no, but even Zach missed games with injury. Yep. Try to think Tro- of stuff. Jake Mayer was the only guy that started every game last year. <laughs> Which is why his stats <laughs> look so good. Yeah. Hilariously enough. Yeah. Well, it's almost <laughs> like the year that Cody Fajardo led the league in passing yards. It was, mm-hmm. it was. Not well, that was Cody especially was... bad because all the starters missed at least like half the season. Oh, 100%. It was Cody was just like there. Yeah. Much like Jake Mayer last year. And it, it is becoming more and more evident that you need two quarterbacks make it through a season. So, mm-hmm. and I think Jake Dalligal is a good guy wherever yeah. wherever he may end up. So, uh, he's going to be the name to watch because I think the longer he goes unsigned, because we all know all the teams are talking. Don't, don't give me this legal tampering window. <laughs> You're all fucking talking right now. You got you got contracts and top drawers that I'm sure Jeremy O'Day has gone to Jake Dalligal and been like, you can't find anything before free agency. Here's your contract. Sign it. It's in my top drawer. I'll shred it if you don't go anywhere else. Yeah. One little bit of league news that has sort of come out in the last little bit. Um the league is considering making changes to the kickoff. Yeah. Uh, this was, of course, uh, reported on, as in obviously the league told them to leak this, uh, to David Naylor uh, <laughs> a week or two ago now, that uh, due to a rash of in, you know, not a rash of in, but because of a higher rate of injury on kickoffs, they are considering making changes to the kickoff. And sort of the options in front of them were, number one, uh, to just have the team that gave up a touchdown opt to take it at the 
their own 40. I love that. Yeah. We'll get into the both options in a second. Or the other option is to go more to the XFL style, which I've kind of... I've, I'm not quite as eh, on. But, yes, I do like the... Because here's the thing, okay? I'm not sitting here saying 100 with 100% certainty that they should get rid of the kickoff. No. I think if they have actual Canadian football stats that tell me a lot of players get hurt on this play, then I can understand it, I can respect it, I can get behind it. They just need to prove that to me. Because I yes. am suspicious of whether, A, they actually have what data they have, and B, is it actually Canadian football data, or are they just piggybacking off American football data, which is very different. No, and, and 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 you're absolutely right on that. Um, or is this a request the PA has made? Yeah, which would also be fair. However, yeah. if th- if they come back and there is you know undeniable evidence that this is a play that we need to not eliminate but greatly reduce in our sport, because the the you know sort of the gray zone in this would be there would still be a kickoff at the start of the game, there'd still be a kickoff at the end of the half, and you would still have to kick off after the three minute warning, like it currently is. So basically, the field goal rules would apply. To the touchdown. Which I like. Yes, because I would say, because well, one thing the NFL has done and the NCAA has done is they've basically more or less tried to eliminate the kickoff without just saying we are going to eliminate the kickoff. Right. If you are going to say we need to you know, greatly reduce this play, then just take it out and let's stop wasting everyone's time watching kicks go through end zones. Which, which usually becomes there's a commercial <laughs> or break. Even worse, now in the NFL, and it's been college for a while, the fair catch on a kickoff. Oh, and the fact that with your kickoff, you so often, especially watching NFL or college ball, it's kickoff through the end zone, yeah. commercials, and then the play starts, right? I think that would even help speed up the game a little, mm-hmm. right? As, yeah, as so, it, yeah, so if you give the team that gave the touchdown the option to be like, okay, you can take it at your 40 or kickoff, and there may be scenarios where you still may want to kick off. Who knows, right? Right. And then it also opens the door to potential chaos. I would love to see a team that has then have to kick it off and go on side, but that's a whole other thing. Yes. <laughs> yes, that would be lots of fun. But I, I, I think, and I think if I'm a, if I'm a head coach, yeah. there's no way I'm not taking the ball at my 40. No, oh, God, no. It's such a low percentage play to have, you know, on, on, and, and for the riders it would actually, you know, it'd be a bit of a disadvantage as Anthony Alford would, would have a couple less opportunities to bust it. But I like what they're looking at doing, and I'm a big supporter of, and, and again, I've watched the XFL kickoff. It's kind of weird, and I don't really like it. Because um, the XFL, they basically line up across from each other, and then you kick it off from there. There's no running yeah. starts, which reduces the it, it, odds of injury. So... But, but I like a massive humanity all right there at once. <laughs> exactly. But I like the fact you'd still you'd see it to start a game because there's no better way to start a game than a kickoff that doesn't sail through the end zone. Um, you'd still make teams, you know, kick off after the three minute warning. So you'd have an opportunity to do some onside stuff to squib kick it, whatever yep. you'd like. And at half, I like it because if I'm a coach, yeah, so there's you still have a few opportunities to, to generate some excitement in the game. And, and then, I think and then there's a little bit of strategy involved where, yes, it's like, OK, you know. If we make them kick off now, let's say they're kicking off into a gale force wind right now. Let's make them do that. 100%. Right? But even that, into a gale force wind, your odds of getting to your own 40, they're not high. Depends how strong the wind is, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it'd have to be, like... I, have like to be... The one thing I would maybe... I would tweak it maybe a little. I think I yeah. would... I think with field goals, I'm okay with 40 because it should, in theory, encourage more coaches to not cowardly field goals because yes. you're losing like 30 yards of field position yes. i would say maybe after a touchdown it maybe should be the 30 
to make the other offense earn it a little bit more. But I mean, that's a little bit of nitpick. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think it needs to be. If you want to remove maybe it the from... thirty-five, we can split the difference. Hundred percent. If you want to remove it from the game, you do. And to me, I like it with them starting the ball with the ball on the forty. Yeah. Like you're basically, it's almost like overtime where it's like you're a couple plays away from having a chance to score. Right. And, and to me, the more scoring you get in, the better it is less commercial timeouts. You have the better the game flows. You can cut down on your broadcast times, which is what everybody's trying to do. I know mm-hmm. working and I can tell you like firsthand the national lacrosse league this year made some slight tweaks to quarter breaks and halftime breaks. And a game flies now. And it's just, it's so subtle that your average viewer wouldn't notice it, but we're getting games done in under two hours now in the NLL. Hmm. And, you know, I, 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 I'm i one for seven hours of commercial-free football, but <laughs> some aren't, right? Seven hours of commercial-free football and then the Sunday nighter, right? So to be able to speed it up a little bit, it's always a good thing, and I think you'd have that if it was just, okay, you got a touchdown scored on you, okay, take it at the 40, we don't have time to go to, to, to timeout, we don't have time to go to commercial, and away we go. So I, I like it. I would honestly, even if they're just copying the NFL, I would be a fan of it. Yeah, like ultimately, it's not, it's not a hill I'm willing to die on. I just, I would like to see them prove it a little more than just, yeah, it feels right, you know. Right. No, what I, I agree, I agree with you on that point. I just, when it came up, I'm like, you know what? I don't even think you need to prove it to me. I think that's that's a good idea for for game flow and so many things that. You know, it can really engage fans and engage viewers and uh, create more offense. So I, for one, am here for it, and I'm sure lots of people will hate me for it. Oh, I mean, they hate you for everything anyway, so it's fine. And <laughs> this isn't going to affect other kicking. Like, I mean, the no yards does that job Yes. on punts. Because, I mean, as much as no yards is about, you know, creating exciting returns, it's also about player safety because more often than not, there's like all the players are just standing still waiting around for the guy to catch the ball anyway, so no one's getting hurt there. Well, well, yes, and that's it. And I would never want to see changes to the punting rules. No, you won't see Cause, that. Because cause no yards is – and you nail on the head there, Gas, that you're not running at a returner at 120 miles an hour. You're basically running 120 miles an hour to five yards of them, They're doing that awkward, like, little shuffly thing they kind of do until he picks up the ball. 